brought to you by the WZIP sports team. This is Sports Power Talk Overtime. Featuring in-depth interviews. Someone brings a video up and was like, hey, look at this. And we all kind of watch it. And to be honest with you, we all just kind of like chuckled and, and just <laughs> thought nothing of it. Exclusive original content. They do need Austin. Every Theory. brand needs Austin. That's no. why SmackDown won. That's why SmackDown won. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. they got Austin Theory. And of course, the hottest takes. Kings Celtics. Okay. If we see Kings Sixers, I'll sell my dog. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you heard it here first. Mitch Bates is going to sell his dog. So get ready because it's time for SPT Overtime. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to SPT Overtime. Today, it is the final installment of our NFL Draft mini-series. As always, my name is Matt Permuka, and I'll be your host, and I join with Mitch Bates. How are you doing? And just like episode one, Pat Weber's joining us with the power of teams. I am. How are we doing, Matt? Pat, I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm feeling fantastic after this draft, personally, so I'm ready to get into it. Yeah, draft weekend, one of the best weekends in well, one of the best weekends in all of sports, and then you know after it, you know we kind of drift off into uh, irrelevancy where we just have Major League Baseball. Not the most fun of times coming up, but hey, we've got <laughs> we've got over 270 NFL draft picks to talk to. We're not going to cover all of them, uh, but you know right off the rip, we're going to cover round one of the draft. Reactions to the first overall pick, Bryce Young by the Carolina Panthers. In my opinion, a complete no-brainer on the Panthers' end. I think this was kind of the only player that could have justified trading from number nine to number one. Uh, your guys' initial thoughts on Bryce Young going first overall? Yeah, I personally agree with the pick, and I saw that C.J. Stroud had a little bit of poor performance in his testing before yeah, he the draft. He scored an 18 on his S2 test. Yeah, that's not good. That's a little outrageous. And yeah. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but that is something to take note of. But I think they got the best player for their team and the best quarterback in the draft, so I'm pretty satisfied with this pick by Carolina. Yeah. Pat, any thoughts from you? Yeah, like you kind of said, it was a no-brainer moving forward. I mean, he was going to be the number one overall pick at the end of the day no matter what. What a pickup for Carolina, a team that just desperately needed some form of help, and they – certainly seem to have found that so far in Bryce Young yeah I mean it's a it's definitely a different method than just um you know hoping Sam Donald works out for the uh, third year in a row or uh <laughs> maybe uh Baker Mayfield as a retread will work out no they're they're finally you know biting the bullet they're doing the rebuild they got their guy uh but you know we're going to talk about the uh, top quarterback prospects of this draft because there were four main guys that everyone thought were was going to go in the first round maybe five uh, and then you know, a couple of those guys fell. Uh, you know, I'm alluding to Will Levis and Hendon Hooker. But um, anyways, we'll talk about the top quarterback prospects. The man that went number one overall, Bryce Young. How do you guys foresee his rookie season playing out this season? Yeah, I think that Bryce Young's rookie season may not have as many big plays and highlights as certain fans might think. But I think that's natural. And when you go into the Carolina Panthers, who – obviously don't have the most weapons for Bryce Young to work with. I think that should be expected. But I think in the future, Bryce Young will definitely prove his worth and he will start to make big plays and the Panthers might even get some winning seasons. But as for his rookie year, I would tone down the expectations. See, I'm going to contradict you directly. I I think uh, I'm cautiously optimistic for everyone (laughs) about eight hours down I-77 in Charlotte. 
I uh, I think Frank Reich and uh, Josh McCown are going to design a really good offense for Bryce Young. I think it's going to be very RPO heavy because his receiving core, uh, not the best. You know, Shai Smith, Terrace Marshall, Adam Thielen, and DJ Chark uh, certainly is not going to win you uh, many uh, shootouts. But they're in an incredibly weak division. They're going to play Baker Mayfield twice a year. They're going to be playing the Saints twice a year. And they're going to be playing the Falcons twice a year. So, I mean, and they're in a very weak NFC conference. If they can go, if they win four games in their division, somehow win five more, they're right in the wild card, maybe even win that pathetic division. So, very high on Bryce Young's rookie season. Pat, any thoughts from you on Bryce Young's rookie season coming up? I think both of you covered it absolutely perfectly i mean i'm kind of in the middle kind of a split opinion here where i think he's going to have some really high highs on this team as rookie season but i can also see him having some very low lows i mean mitch said it perfectly it is the carolina panthers at the end of the day they don't have a lot of weapons you know matt you kind of alluded to that too they don't have a whole lot of weapons right so he's going to have to rely on the run game a lot short passing but i think overall years down the line he will be an elite quarterback but i kind of predict a slower start to the season. Um, I could still see them, but like you said, winning their division. They do play in a very weak division. Uh, I could see Carolina finishing second, possibly even taking it with Bryce Young uh, as their quarterback this season. Yeah, and so uh, that'll bring us to the uh, second overall pick, a man that played just two hours from us, and that's C.J. Stroud going number two to Houston. Uh, As far as Stroud goes, I am very worried about his rookie season. Um, He has a very weak wide receiver room, to put it lightly. Uh, Robert Woods, Nico Collins, John Mechie, and Amari Rogers are certainly uh, not the pass catchers I would want to give a rookie quarterback on a rebuilding team. They also have a rookie offensive coordinator and a rookie head coach. They were a terrible roster overall. I get that they're in a weak division, but I don't really think C.J. Stroud's going to look back on his rookie year too fondly a few years down the line. Yeah, I actually agree with you there. I think that this Texans offense is certainly the weakness of the Texans, especially the wide receiver group. And I actually like the Texans defense a lot more than probably a bunch of other people do. But I think there's some talent on that defense and some potential. But as far as the offense goes, C.J. Stroud just doesn't have the weapons yet. They're probably going to run the ball a ton They're probably going to find shorter routes to Dalton Schultz and Robert Woods, ease him into it a little bit. But, yeah, it's just – it's a good fit. But right now, with the weapons that they have, it feels shaky. I feel like CJ is going to be the guy that gets, like, written off after, like, his second year because he's just been on, like, really terrible teams. And then, you know, hopefully year three and four he can turn it around. I – I really don't hope he goes down that Sam Darnold route. I would feel so bad for him if just a bad franchise ruined what is just a very good and very raw, talented prospect. Pat, any thoughts from you on CJ? Yeah, I'm in complete agreement. I'm not really seeing anything that fancy coming out of his rookie season. I mean, it's just on the table as it is. It's the Houston Texans at the end of the day. They are a struggling team. They have no weapons. Uh, when they traded up for the next pick that we're going to talk about, I actually had them taking somebody completely different. My mind was generating the possibilities of them adding a weapon there. Uh, they did not weak receiver room for CJ Stroud to work with. And overall, uh, I don't see this being a good fit for the first two seasons, but hopefully by season three, Matt, kind of like you said, uh, he'll pick it up. Hopefully the Texans will have some weapons that he can work with and we can finally start to see him flourish. But I think these first two seasons are going to be kind of under the radar seasons for him. Yeah. 
All right, well, that takes us to the division rival who had the fourth overall pick. The Indianapolis Colts took Anthony Richardson, the last quarterback to be taken in the first round. Uh, as far as uh, my thoughts on this, I absolutely love Anthony Richardson. He was my favorite quarterback in this draft, and I think Shane Steichen paired with another young athletic QB gives me all the optimism in the world. You know, he went, he took Jalen Hurts from a second-round pick that was there to back up Carson Wentz. Uh, to the highest paid player in the NFL, albeit for 10 days. But, you know, he was the highest paid player at one point. You know, I think the floor for Anthony Richardson's rookie year is the Colts have a top five rushing offense because he's one of the most athletic quarterbacks we've ever seen. He, was, he, is, he broke all the Ross score measurements at the combine for quarterbacks. He's more athletic than Josh Allen and Cam Newton, which uh, that's a very, very tough feat. I think his supporting cast is decent enough, too. I think that O-line's very good with Quentin Nelson up front, Jonathan Taylor, obviously, the receiver, Alex Pierce, Michael Pittman, Josh Downs, and Isaiah McKenzie. I think I think this team can compete sooner than later. I think right off the rip for his rookie season, there's going to be a lot of learning curves. I see them probably as a six- or seven-win team, but I think towards the end of the season, like after Thanksgiving, it starts to click for him, and the Indianapolis Colts are a dark horse team on everyone's mind in the 2024 season. Yeah, I can see this being a very exciting offense, and I love this for Jonathan Taylor because he had a little bit of a down year last year. I know that because I took him with the first pick in my fantasy draft. My condolences, man. My condolences. Yeah, yeah, I traded for McCaffrey too, so I was all right. Okay, yeah. He was was actually healthy this year, which is rare. (laughs) I I took a risk there. But about the Colts, you know, I just feel like this offense is going to struggle early, like you said. I feel like Anthony Richardson is definitely going to take the most development to reach his full potential out of any of those top three quarterbacks. But as far as the Colts team goes, I think this is exciting because they've got a very underrated defense. They've got some playmakers. Hopefully Shaquille Leonard is healthy this year. And I think that the Indianapolis Colts could definitely make some noise next year. I think next year could be a year where maybe the Colts add another pass catcher and they add a tight end that's a little better than Mo Cox or Jelani Woods. And they could really start to make some noise in that division because it's not a very strong division. No, and, and Jacksonville's going to have to pay Trevor Lawrence soon, too. I think it really times up to where Indy can add things, right, as Jacksonville has to, you know, clear off some cap space. Yeah, yeah it's I, very I, good timing. I think if Anthony Richardson works out, I think two years, it quite literally propels the Colts to the perennial division powerhouse while the Jags have to pay Trevor. So, uh, Pat, any thoughts from you on Anthony Richardson going number four? I love this pick. Matt, kind of like you, I was a huge fan of Anthony Richardson coming into this draft. Uh, He's freakishly athletic. I know that he might not be the most NFL-ready quarterback, you know, off coming right out of the draft, but he's definitely the greatest pick the Colts could have, arguably. I think that he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks for this franchise. At the end of the day, uh, right up there with Andrew Luck and obviously Peyton Manning, but what a pick. What a steal, in my opinion. It's crazy. Anybody could have got Anthony Richardson. The Cardinals could have had a chance to take him you know before they traded that pick but just wow I I can't I'm excited thinking about this because they do have a very underrated team kind of like what Mitch said they've very underrated defense they have a very underrated offense in my opinion as well the Colts across the border underrated and there's nobody better to lead this team in my opinion in the next few years than Anthony Richardson yeah you know uh I lost my talking point there I don't know but oh no here's what it was 
it's it's crazy to me the Colts uh, Jim Irsay. I really don't think he's a good owner, but he can somehow stumble his way into Peyton Manning and then stumble his way into Andrew Luck and now stumble his way again into another potential franchise quarterback. It does not make sense to me. Uh, but you know what? I'm not here to uh, air my grievances with. Uh, uh, the, the Colts organization right now. Instead, let's talk about the guy everyone thought the Colts were going to take, and that's Will Levis. He fell out of the first round to the surprise of pretty much everyone. ESPN Analytics had a .01% chance of him being available on day two. He went 33rd overall in round two to the Tennessee Titans, who traded up to get him. And, you know, I have absolutely no idea what to make of this situation right now because he clearly needs time to develop but I really don't know if he's going to get that chance because I think Tennessee is closer to a rebuild sooner than a lot of people want to give him credit for. I think their window's all but closed. You know, I think it's, it kind of seems like a shotgun arrangement, too, like a shotgun wedding. You know, like I think Mike Vrabel wanted C.J. Stroud, and they wanted to look to move off Ryan Tannehill, but they couldn't get Stroud, and so they kind of had to settle for Will Levis, and I really don't think anything good comes out of a relationship where, you know, you're looking at it as settling. So, again, I I feel bad for Will Levis because, you know, he fell out of the first round. He was kind of just being dogged on by everybody with a Twitter account. So any thoughts on you guys as to how his rookie season may go? I know it's a big uh, big question to ask. Yeah, that is a really big question. I don't think you'll see the field. Oh, really? mm-hmm. oh, hot take right there. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they did take Malik Willis last year. That's why I was so confused with the pick. You know, at first when the rumors were flying around, the Titans wanted to trade up to get C.J. Stroud. I saw that working um, because C.J. Stroud is NFL ready, like right out of the gate. Um, Will Levis, not really, and you still have Malik Willis. So it's almost like if you want to move on from Ryan Tannehill, well, you have these two. They could be great. They could be not. That could be the most mid-off QB up. competition in camp next, like next summer. Just Malik Willis versus Will Levis. Yeah, they... It was it was a confusing pick because if you're not getting C.J. Stroud, why take a quarterback? Why not take the time to develop the rookie that you just took last year? Exactly, who like, showed I... some signs of promising talent. Pat, you're preaching you take... to the choir, man. You're preaching to the choir. Yeah, and it's it's you take the quarterback. That, let's be honest, he was overhyped. Well, I mean, I, I way over well, completely by the media. So. Well, and here's the thing: like everyone's like, "Oh, whoever takes him in the first round is going to have the next Zach Wilson." Well, you know, he went in the second round. So, I mean, I think Will Levis kind of only has upside now. You can't really look at him as a bust because you know that is true. He went in the second round, and you know, second round picks have a much cheaper contract than first round guys, and there's significantly less pressure on them. So, you know, I I have no idea what to make of Will Levis, Pat. I I. I see where you're coming from completely, but I mean, I think this is one of the most open-ended questions uh, that's come out of the draft. Yeah. yeah. Mitch, anything from you? Yeah, I also was on the same page as Pat. I don't really understand the pick. I mean, it's it's just for the fact that they took Malik Willis last year. They're giving him no chance to develop into the player that they seemed to think he was. And Coach Vrabel already came out and said... Ryan Tannehill's the number one guy, and Malik Willis will be behind him, and then Levis will be behind Willis. And yeah. if you really are keeping Ryan Tannehill, which I I can't say that I don't think they do, because I think they would have already gotten rid of him. Mm-hmm. I, it just makes no sense to me. Like that, him him falling out of the first round wasn't necessarily a shock to me. 
Yeah. I, it was surprising, but I wasn't shocked. But hey we, he, hey, we did mock him falling out of the top ten, and that was a pretty bold prediction at the time. Yeah, I thought he was going Tampa when he started falling. I did too. You know, I, I texted you guys in the group chat. It's like, hey, if if Tampa takes <laughs> Levis at nineteen, we have the most, we take the biggest victory lap of all victory laps on this podcast. No other pick would that, have mattered. That'd be the only sec. That'd be the only thing we talk about. Just how great we were that we predicted Will Levis fall into the exact team, but. Yeah, I I agree, but you know Tennessee took him, and if they have a deeper plan in place, then I'm hey, I'm all for it. But I just don't really understand the pick. Yeah, and you know we'll get into the last uh, quarterback people thought would go around one. You know Pat didn't think Will Levis would get on the field, and it's likely this guy's not going to get on the field because he's recovering from injury, and that's Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker going to the, in the third round to the Detroit Lions. Uh, I was very low on Hendon Hooker potentially going in round one, but given that. Uh, he was a third-round pick uh, to Detroit, and like you know, to Detroit in round three. I like Ben Johnson as an offensive coordinator. He kind of revitalized Jared Goff. I think you allow him to rehab, get fully healthy, and learn under that system. You know, I think maybe a year from now, if Detroit decides to move off with Goff because they trust Hendon Hooker, I would I, I would still have faith in the Detroit Lions. So, any thoughts on you guys from Hendon Hooker falling to Detroit in round three? Well, yeah, I think Hendon Hooker. I think it was a good pick for the team, and I think even if he was healthy this year, I don't think he's touching the field. And Well, he tore his ACL at the middle of October last year, so the very earliest he could be back is like the end of August. Yeah, I I still don't even see him touching the field, to be honest. I think I don't think he should, Goff. yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think Jared Goff is actually – he was underappreciated last year for what he did for that team, and – I know he's not the very high pick that Jerry Goff should be. You know, he should have been probably a top 10 quarterback the way he was valued when he was drafted I mean, by the Rams. I mean, he went one overall. I mean, you know, he's. I don't think he's really lived up to that. I think that's mm-hmm. fair. But I do think he's, you know, an efficient quarterback. I mean, you could win with him. He's, he's, he went to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I and people don't even talk about that, how he took a team to the Super Bowl. Well, he scored three points in that Super Bowl, but, you know. <laughs> right, but, th- but that doesn't speak for the yeah. whole year. You right, know? right. Right, but, I mean, Hendon Hooker, I think it's a good pick because I think he really does have potential, and if Jerry Goff does not end up working out this year, I think the year after that, you can start to look and say, we have this guy that might be a star, and we can give him an opportunity if we need to. So I like the pick, personally. Yeah. Pat, any thoughts from you? I was a huge fan of this pick. Uh, I think Hendon Hooker is the perfect follow-up quarterback to Jared Goff, um, simply because, you know, Jared Goff, Matt, kind of like you said, he hasn't really lived up to the expectations of his career so far. So I think Hendon Hooker, you know, the Lions fans are going to be expecting not a whole lot coming out of him when he does eventually see the field, see playing time. But I think he has one of the best or one of the biggest upsides to any of the quarterbacks in this draft. Obviously, he was a top-five draft pick before he got injured. I know the injury shot him way down the board, but that's nothing to look over. He's still a fantastic quarterback, and what a steal for the Lions at the end of the day. Yeah, well, uh, you know that concludes our talk on quarterbacks so far. So let's get into see uh, some of the uh, major trades from night one. Uh, first, we're going to talk about the Houston Texans traded up from number 12 to number 3. Now, the impressive thing about this was they made this trade with the Cardinals. They were, they were simultaneously drafting C.J. Stroud while negotiating this, too. So, I mean, I thought the Texans were a fairly incompetent organization, but, I mean, this was one of the most, like, competent things someone could do at that point in time. So I'm going to 
you know, eat my words a little bit. So, you know, Houston, if there are any Texans fans listening, you guys did good. You guys did good Thursday night. Good job. Uh, but, yes, Texans, they traded from number 12 to number three for consecutive picks. They took Will Anderson at number three. Uh, I absolutely loved it. I thought he was the best defensive end in this class. Any thoughts from you guys? That was it, was, a, it was a good pick, but I thought for sure when I saw that trade go up that we were going to see Jackson Smith and Jigba I th- get his I think, name called. I think because... they could have got him at 12. I, I, I thought they were going to wait and get him at 12, to be honest, Pat. I was, I was on, the same, I, I I was the, on the same Ohio I, State boat as you, but. Yeah, I was, I was getting hyped. I was actually at a bonfire with some of my friends, and we were all gathered around my laptop, and we're, we're losing our minds because we're like the Texans just made. Probably the best trade of all time, you know, reuniting C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Didn't happen, so it was a little bit of a letdown, but at the end of the day, Will Anderson is still a phenomenal pickup. Now you said he's the best defensive player in this draft. Yeah. And nope. they got him for a steal while, and like you said, while trading, or pardon me, while drafting C.J. Stroud. The Texans were all over the place, but for once in their organization's history, they were all over the place for a good thing. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, any thoughts from you about the uh... – Texans trading up for uh, Will Anderson. Yeah, I agree that they could have taken Jackson Smith and Jigba at 12 if that was the player that they wanted. Mm. I believe trading up and moving to number three, they knew exactly who they wanted. They knew that they were going to make it happen, and I it shocked me like that oh, night yeah. watching it. I've never seen that before. Like The closest thing I've seen was like 2018 when the Browns had pick one and four, but that was because like they had that arranged prior to the draft. Like I've never seen a team make a trade while also drafting. Yeah, it was really impressive to me, and they got both guys that they wanted on both sides of the ball. So you got to commend them for that. And I think Will Anderson, is he was a player that I wanted Seattle to take. Someone they traded up, I knew that yeah. hope was over, but <laughs> – it, it's all right, and he's going to be a great player. I think he'll yeah. be one of the best players on that entire team this year. Oh, I very much agree. I think he's clearly in the defensive rookie of the year conversation right off the rip. Easily, 100%. And I, I think it was a bold move by the, by the Texans, but I like it. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, Pat, you thought the Texans were going to trade up for a Buckeye, but let's talk about a team that actually did. The Arizona Cardinals moved up from number 12 to number 6 to select offensive tackle Paris Johnson out of the Ohio State University. You know, I thought it was a smart move. Kyler Murray is coming off an ACL injury. You want to protect him, so your franchise quarterback, the man with the second most guaranteed money in NFL history, uh, you know, is able to be on the field. So any thoughts from you guys on the Cardinals trading up for Paris Johnson? So I'm a huge fan of this draft pick, obviously. I mean, Paris Johnson Jr. was arguably the number one offensive lineman prospect coming into this draft. And Matt, like you said, who better to protect your quarterback, your franchise QB, the guy you paid a lot of money to for who knows why. But the Call of Duty overall, clause great of all pick things. by the Cardinals. Yeah, and that was the, <laughs> the Call, Call of Duty, Duty clause. clause, baby. I like that. But, yeah, Cardinals trading up to take Paris Johnson, I think it was – a pretty smart move for them. They obviously, this was the tackle that they wanted in a stack tackle draft. And he, he's a big boy, and you got to protect Kyler oh, yeah. Murray. Because he's not a big boy. Yeah, Kyler Murray's not a big boy. So you got to get, I think it was the right pick for them. I don't think they needed to try and go get one of those really good receivers or try to take one of the corners in one of the most stacked corner classes possibly ever. I think they understood their needs and they're going to try to protect the franchise guy. So Yeah. 
we talked about Kyler Murray is a rich man, but, you know, the rich get richer on draft night, and that's exactly what this next team did. The Philadelphia Eagles moved up one spot from number 10 to number 9 to take Jalen Carter. He was a lot of people's top prospect overall until it came out that Carter had some character issues that caused him to fall down the draft boards. And Philadelphia was able to pick him up at number nine overall after coming off of a Super Bowl loss. The rich get richer. Your guys' thoughts on the Eagles landing arguably the best player in this entire draft at number nine? Yeah, they knew exactly who they wanted. Had the trade up over Chicago to take him. I think that they saw him fall past six, and then they started to say, okay, maybe we have a chance at this guy. And I think the connections inside the building with Georgia players that played with him. He is now the fifth Georgia Bulldog from the 2021 National Championship team on the Eagles uh, defensive line. Also Nolan Smith. So the Eagles drafted two more of the 2021 Georgia Bulldogs defense. They now have five of their 11 starters from that defense. It's insane. Yeah, it's an obvious game plan right there. But, you know, I think it was a really good pick. And obviously they see some of their stars on that D-line getting older, like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, guys that aren't going to be there in two to three years. And they drafted one that will be alongside Jordan Davis, and that's one of the scariest D-tackle combos in the league. I think it is the scariest. That probably, I mean, maybe not now. Give it two years, and it's most certainly is. Uh, Pat, any thoughts from you on uh, Philadelphia? What a steal. I mean, legitimately. I know that uh, Jalen Carter had some behavioral issues. That is true, but at the end of the day, he's still one of the top prospects in this draft then. I mean, you might as well start calling them the Philadelphia Bulldogs at this point because they've That's added they are, another man. Bulldog That's to what their they roster. Are. And I, I would argue to say the Eagles now officially have the best defense in the NFL. I think they still have the best roster in the NFL, and I didn't think it would get any better. But here we are. But, you know, let's talk about one more trade. We'll talk about their in-state rivals, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers moved up from number 17 to number 14, and they took – Jalen Carter's teammate, Broderick Jones, an offensive tackle out of Georgia. Pat, I'll throw it to you first. You're the Steelers fan in this group. Uh, what were your thoughts? And, you know, tell us what Yinzer Nation's feeling after taking Broderick Jones. So I can tell you that now I feel great about this pick. Uh, after night one, I was fuming, or at least until the very end of round one. I was so angry because – I think it was pretty well known up here that I wanted Joey Porter Jr. I think in the first round, all of Pittsburgh so pretty much wanted up, Joey Porter Jr. Jones. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we got Broderick Jones, and I was thinking about it. I was like, logically, he is the guy that we wanted to draft. He's not the guy I wanted. I know that Steeler Nation, the Yinzer mob, they were we, were, we were happy with that pick. We were pretty happy. We know that we got one of the best offensive linemen. Finally, somebody to help protect Kenny Pickett because. I've kind of, even though I still don't like Kenny Pickett that much, I've kind of accepted the fact that he's probably going to be looked to as being our guy for the next few years. So might as well try to keep him healthy. But overall, like, solid pickup. I was very, very happy at the end of the day that we did trade up because I know that uh, New England was also taking a look. So I'm glad that we managed to make that trade. I'm glad they accepted that trade at the end of the day because Roger Jones is now a Pittsburgh Steeler. And personally, I couldn't be happier about it. Yeah, Mitch, any thoughts from you? Yeah, the Steelers' draft fell perfectly, I think. That's exactly how they wanted it to fall. And even something I'll touch on later with, obviously, the Seahawks. With the Seahawks going corner so high, it kind of surprised me because 
20 came and there were still a lot of really good corners so i thought yeah one thing yeah one thing from this trade the patriots took christian gonzalez who was a lot of people's top cornerback they took like christian gonzalez fell back to new england at 17 like you know this was a very corner rich draft but there was no one was people were afraid to pull the trigger after seattle took witherspoon at five yeah it surprised me but i'll talk more on that later obviously yeah but with this pick specifically I think it was a very good pick for Pittsburgh. I think, once again, they're meeting their needs, and you got to protect the young quarterback back there. And he, it was a very tackle-rich draft. I think they could have went in a couple of different directions, and it still would have been a good pick. But they obviously got Porter who they wanted, and they traded up for this guy. So it worked out perfectly in the end for them. Yeah, very much so. I mean, I think Pittsburgh really needed an offense, like offensive line help in a division with Miles Garrett and Trey Hendrickson and the Browns bringing in uh, Okoronkwo. You know, you, you kind of have to protect your young quarterback. Uh, you know, good for Pittsburgh getting uh, Adric Jones, but uh, yeah, very loaded division. They need all the help they can get. Uh, but you know, let's let's change directions here. You know, we talked about we were surprised some prospects fell, uh, but you know, there were also some picks that kind of just made us question some team's sanity. Uh, do you guys have any surprise picks of the well picks that made you surprised on night one of the draft? One hundred percent. I want to talk about the Detroit Lions. Yeah, one of real. Yeah, one of mine really, is just really quickly. One of mine is just everything Detroit did. <laughs> uh, Jamar and, Gibbs at twelve and Jack Campbell at eighteen. I mean, they won the nineteen eighty six NFL draft. Yeah, I was scratching my head to say the least because I mean I know. Later on, uh, during, I believe it was Saturday, I know Detroit did eventually trade um, DeAndre Swift, which again... Yep, it was on day three, you're had right. scratching move, but they took Jameer Gibbs at number 12. And I don't know about you guys, but I didn't even have Jameer Gibbs going in the top three rounds. Yeah, I, 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 thought he was, I thought he was a high day three pick, maybe one of the last picks in round three, and then... Uh, you know, Detroit said yeah, then, number twelve for you, buddy, and we're gonna we're gonna alienate our other running back after we just paid David Montgomery eighteen million dollars. At one point, they were spe- at one point before they traded DeAndre Swift, they were gonna be spending forty million dollars on that running back room, which is absolutely insane in the year twenty twenty three. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And then, like you said, Jack Campbell at eighteen, really? Uh, Jack Campbell again, a prospect. I didn't see going until maybe the third round late second early third I, so, I thought he was a mid-second guy but I mean it's I, yeah, it was, I, I it don't know a lot of reaches though for Detroit I I just I don't get it at all. I know John Dorsey's in there I know Browns fans remember him uh very I don't know favorably unfavorably the fan base is kind of split on him but I mean Dan Campbell kind of just seemed like he just took a whole bunch of pre-workout and randomly put in a name in the draft card and said I want that guy and, you know, here we are. It didn't really seem like any sort of planning to it. But, uh, but hey, there they are. Yeah, um, I agree wholeheartedly with the Lions just making some confusing moves. And the fact that they had two first-round picks. Like, you could have took Jameer Gibbs at 18, and you could have took Jack Campbell the next day the craziest thing was they took brian branch at 45 and i saw i think it was ben solak on twitter he rearranged their entire draft he's like you know if you t- if you take brian branch at 12 
Uh, and then, you know, you take the tight end at 18, and then you take Jack Campbell at 34, and then you take Jameer Gibbs at 45. It makes sense. You get the but same you, players. But if you look at the order they did it in, it's like they did it in the most confusing way possible. So confusing. And the only other two surprise picks that I had were Bijan Robinson to Atlanta at 9. I also had that one. Yeah, that's... It, I don't think it was a bad move either. I think it was a great move. Anyone who took him, I would have said it was a great move. But it just that's one of the teams I expected. And, oh, they don't need him. They have Patterson and they have Algier. And yeah, I mean, they ran for almost five yards of carry last year with Patterson and Algier. I mean, like, how much better can a running game get? Like, I I don't know. And I you know I was kind of confused they took a running back at eight. But you know that's just that's just my personal preference. Yep, that's what happens. And the other surprise pick for me was Mozzie Smith to Dallas. And yeah. yeah, if you see, they released video on their Twitter where it was it was either him or uh, he's it was the uh, right tackle from Syracuse. They were down to that guy. It was those two. Yeah, that's it's so confusing. Like I I don't I don't understand it. And there were so many other like D line prospects that are still there, like Miles Murphy. Yeah, Brian Brees was there too. Nolan Smith yeah. was still there. It's just. There was a ton of other options that they could have went with, and they took him, but that's obviously they see something in him that we don't. Yeah, the only other head scratchers I saw the night were uh, the teams involved in the Aaron Rodgers trade. I didn't understand Green Bay taking Luke Vaness at 13, and I didn't get Will McDonald at 15 either. But, uh, you know, Pat, anything else from you before we wrap up uh, the surprise picks of the night? Uh, nothing for me, I mean, except just, you know, Typical Packers L. Yeah, they really, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, let's get into the uh, final uh, topic of the first round of the draft. Your guys' winners from round one and round one only. I'll start I'll start us off. Uh, I think Philadelphia is probably a consensus pick, getting Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith added to that super team. Uh, I, I, it's not fair. It really is not fair. Uh, and then the other team I had was the Houston Texans getting two franchise cornerstones back-to-back with uh, C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. Yeah, those are some really good picks for the winners of round one. And I had two different winners for me. It was Houston because they traded up, got two and three, took arguably the best defensive player in the draft, and they got their quarterback of the future. And you know me, I got to go – uh, Seattle Seahawks. Oh yeah, that's another very yeah. yeah homerism, but it's valid. It's it's valid homerism. I think I believe that we got the best corner in the draft and the best receiver in the draft, and those are two positions that, when you think about where it's important to have great players, those two positions come up early. So I think Seattle did a great job getting Jackson Smith and Jigba. He fits in perfectly with Metcalf and Lockett, and. Also bringing in Witherspoon to play across from Tariq Woolen. Yeah. I think that's going to be a really scary corner duel. Oh, that's a very good team. Pat, any uh, any more winners of night one that you have that we have not covered yet? Not really for me. I had the uh, Eagles and the Seahawks. I had the Bird duo. Phenomenal pickups for both teams, especially Seattle. I think Seattle had a fantastic first round. Nice, nice, nice. All right, anyway, let's get into some uh, day two headlines and some day three headlines before we close this thing out. So uh, second and third round of the draft, uh, you know, who were some teams that you guys think got the most value on the second day of the draft, whether it be, you know, a a prospect fell or, uh, you know, you're really high on this guy that this team got. I have a couple, but I'll throw it to you guys first. Who do you guys think won, you know, day two of the draft value-wise? Mitch, let's start with you. All right, I 
think Detroit did a pretty good job on the second day. I agree with you, too. We just made fun <laughs> of them for what they did on Thursday, but Friday they totally redeemed themselves. Yeah, I I completely agree with that take 100%. And I think Brian Branch was a great pick for them to make. Sam Laporta, even though... Michael Mayer was still on the board. Okay, as, a Notre Day, as a Notre Dame fan, like I understood Dalton Kincaid going above him, but when they took Sam Laporta over him, I... I, I audibly scream you know what are you doing and then you know getting brian branch at 45 i mean they kind of redeemed themselves because of incompetency but and then they also got hendon hooker in, at mm-hmm. number 68 overall uh you know detroit on friday yeah detroit on friday night was a totally different organization than they were the night before yeah definitely and sam laporta look he, he's a really good player and i think he's going to work out for them but iowa makes good tight ends <laughs> they they do and you can ask TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant about that. But, and Kittle. And Kittle. But, yeah, I just think the ceiling is higher on Michael Mayer. But the Lions still, I believe they won day two, and they made up for their day one mistakes. Pat, I think, I'm, I, think I know who your day two winner is. Uh, and I you think, know exactly who I'm taking and here. I, you and know I, think exactly you're, I'm I think you're here. completely right because I also have them as one of my day two winners. But, but go ahead, man. Floor is yours. Give me my Pittsburgh Steelers. I have never seen a draft go this well for us, especially on day two. The minute pick 31 went through in the first round and Joey Porter Jr. was still on the board. I mean, you saw my reaction in the group chat. I was kind of losing my mind. Yeah, you, you, did, a, you, did, a complete, you, did, you did a complete pendulum swing. You thought at 14, okay, here comes Porter. We didn't take Porter raw, angry, angry, angry. Round one ends, Porter's not taken, and you're like, okay, we are so back. We're getting Joey Porter. It, it was it was the biggest mood swing I think I've ever had in one night watching the Pittsburgh Steelers play, and that's saying something. Oh, boy, that is, that is saying something, man. I, I couldn't believe it. Like, the minute I saw that we did not trade the pick, because I know we had quite a few offers for that draft pick, the minute I saw that we didn't give it up, I knew Joey Porter Jr. was coming home. It was a feel-good moment, not to mention that we also added Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin. And my personal favorite pick of the day, Darnell Washington. Yeah. Is that a Pittsburgh was, Steeler. That was the one that, that, was the one that so really excited. did it for me. I was absolutely livid and scared and everything. This was like last year when you guys took George Pickens, like someone that just like embodies the AFC North. And you know, like a, you know, like a 2022 term, like Black Air Force One energy. I think Pickens oh, yeah. and Darnell Washington are both probably two of the scariest people to ever guard in the NFL. Uh, you know, I, I really like that draft for you guys. I thought it was incredible. You guys knocked it out of the park. Uh, anyway, uh, my winner that we haven't got to yet uh, is the Indianapolis Colts on day two. I mean, Julius Brents at 44, he was a very good corner prospect, and I'll keep this short and simple. I really love Josh Downs. I thought – he was going to go round two when the Browns still had the 42nd pick. I was completely on the Josh Downs hype train, and they got him at number 79 overall. It is a perfect pairing for Anthony Richardson. I Again, I think I, th- I think our consensus is the winners are the Lions, Colts, and Steelers of rounds two and three. And then, you know, speaking of why these teams won, they got players that fell. Fell to day two or guys that fell deeper on day two. Uh, so, you know, let's talk about some of the guys that fell uh, in rounds two and rounds three. Uh, and, you know, I want to talk first about Brian Branch. He was a guy we mocked top 15 when we did our first segment a little over a month ago, and he fell to 45. So, I mean, 
you know, I understand he's a safety and the positional value might not be there, but uh, you know, your guys' thoughts on a potential top 15 prospect falling to 45. Yeah, that blew my mind. Because... It was a real head-scratcher, but at the end of the day, it worked out well for Detroit. I mean, I'm pretty sure we all had uh, Brian Branch going to Detroit. So it was it was a good little wraparound at the end there. I mean, I'm just surprised that he did fall. Yeah. As far as he did, so. Yeah, that's. I mean, it is what it is. I, too. You know, you can't really predict which way the draft board's going to go outside of hey, like the top five. He's a Bama player so, falling to forty-five. That doesn't happen. That is true, but I mean, it worked out for Detroit. I think it's going to work out even better for Brian Branch. I mean, he's exactly what this team needed defensively. So, at the end of the day, you know, it does definitely hurt a little bit. You know, probably hurts his pride a little bit to see him fall, but. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, still a great organization to be a part of. And overall, I think he's going to be one of the standout stars in this league. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, another well, – this is a duo of players I want to talk about, and that's Jalen Hyatt and Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee. Both those guys look to be first-round locks of as far back as Tuesday before the draft. And they both fell to round three. I understand Hendon Hooker was hurt. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, he plays wide receiver in a weak draft class. I thought he was going to go round one for sure. Uh, your guys' thoughts on one of the best wide receiver quarterback tandems in the SEC both falling to round three? Yeah, that one was a surprise. I thought Jalen Hyatt was going to be a second-round pick for sure, and I just thought he would be early second round, and I know he's talented. He's got burning speed, and he could benefit any NFL team right now, and that's how much I believe in him. Hendon Hooker, too. I think before the injury, Hendon Hooker was easily a top 15 pick lock. And after the injury happened, I kind of expected him to fall, but not as much as he did. It's it's just kind of upsetting, but it gives them extra motivation, and yeah. I think that'll make monsters out of them. So I like I, seeing that. I think they both went to good organizations too. I mean, Hendon Hooker gets to sit behind Jared Goff with no pressure of playing right away coming off a torn ACL, and Jalen Hyatt gets to go to the Giants that are an up-and-coming team with Brian Dable. Uh, sure, I think Danny – I still think Daniel Jones is completely inept. I'm, Danny Dimes is not – that's not real. Uh, and they're paying him $40 million, but I mean <laughs> – I, I think Hyatt can only help Daniel Jones and the New York Giants. I don't really think anything could you – know, wide receiver would not make that team worse by any stretch. Pat, any thoughts from you? Yeah, Hyatt falling was the definite surprise here for me at least. I saw Hendon Hooker falling, uh, obviously not as far as he did. But I still thought Hyatt would be a first-round draft pick, second round at the latest. And to have him fall to the third round was – Really surprising because I know that when the Ravens were up, I know Zay Flowers was still on the board, but I was kind of expecting Hyatt to get his name called in that moment. Um, still a steal for the Giants, though, but it just left me wondering kind of was there an underlying reason that the scouts saw and we didn't? Maybe. Um, but mm. at the end of the day, like you said, he's on a fantastic team in an up and coming organization. Both the of Giants them are, are yeah. a quarterback away. Yeah. yeah, both of them, exactly. But uh, more so with the Giants, obviously. We know the Lions, you know, a couple head-scratching picks early on, but like we kind of touched on, they shaped it up. So glad to see both, both of them get drafted. But, you know, now New York is really just one good quarterback away from, I think, a Super Bowl with adding Hyatt to the team. I, I completely agree with that. Uh, any guys, are there any players that fell that you guys would like to talk about before we get into our favorite picks of the day? 
I do. I have I have one thing Go. I would like Floor to is yours, uh, man. Floor is quickly yours. say. So I was extremely upset to see that Shockey did not get drafted. Oh uh, yeah. I was I was pretty upset. I don't think he was around I, I don't think he was going around two or three, <laughs> but and we did have some hey, Akron. I, we did have some Akron players get signed as undrafted free agents. One of them's with Detroit right now. We did Zach Morton. Shout out Zach Morton representing the Zips. I will be buying his jersey as you okay, should. So. I mean, wait till he but, make. Yeah, wait I mean, till he makes the fifty three man. Okay, okay, I'll at least wait to do that. Good choice. But, Good choice. <laughs> no, I was I was definitely upset to see Shockey not get drafted. I know that. The school, obviously, the name Akron alone deters a lot of scouts because we have not had a sound program here in quite some time. But at the end of the day, there was no overlooking the fact that Shockey was the best wide receiver in the Mid-American Conference, and to have him not even get drafted was kind of disrespectful, in my opinion. But I know that whatever team picks him up, he's going to make all 31 other teams regret that decision. So. I'm fair hoping enough. he does great things with whatever team picks him up. All right, fair enough. And then that leads us into our final topic for the rounds two and three. So your guys' favorite picks from Friday night. Mitch, I'll throw it to you first. Yeah, my favorite pick there, I had two of them. And one Go of ahead. them, we already talked about him, Jalen Hyatt. Yeah. I think that was a brilliant pick for the Giants to make. And after making that pick, their offense got a lot scarier for me. And – you people might forget they added Darren Waller this off season. Yeah, they have Waller, Paris uh, Campbell. They have Waller, Campbell, Hyatt, Saquon Barkley. I mean, you know, very. Given they're in the NFC, that is a very sufficient offense. I mean, the Eagles are the clear favorites for that division, but I mean, there's no reason why New York can't be a wild card team again. One hundred percent. And Jalen Hyatt is a deep threat. He'll get open and create space, unlike any receiver that Danny Dimes has played with yet. And yeah, that's that's one defense I will give Daniel Jones. His wide receiver core has been very slow and so bad, very inept. Yeah, last year I couldn't name three receivers on the team after the Shepard injury. Yeah, well, I mean they still want a playoff game. They upset <laughs> they upset Minnesota. I mean they went thirteen and four. Okay, yeah, anyway. it was a great coach team. But. Yeah. Anyway, so Jalen Hyatt's your first favorite pick of the day. Do you have a second one? You said I do. And I know there's some people that may not like this pick as much, but I like Jordan Battle to the Bengals at 95. Yeah, I like that one too. That's a very good one. It's very That hurts me to say that is a very good pick by Cincinnati. Yeah, they didn't overvalue him, I don't think. They didn't undervalue him. And they lost two, their two starting safeties last well this year. They lost Jesse Bates and Von Bell. Yeah. I think Jordan Battle is going to hop right in there and become a starter very soon. He's got the talent, Alabama boy. We know what they do, and I, I just really like this pick for Cincinnati. Yeah, uh, Pat, your favorite picks of the day? Uh, well, we already talked about two of my favorite picks. Obviously, Darnell Washington and Joey Porter Jr. Yeah, fair enough, um, man. They got me really excited. All right, listen, I, th- as a Steelers fan, we don't have a whole lot going for us right now, so this draft is what I'm going to be talking about for a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, but, uh, welcome, other, well, welcome to having really the draft be your Super Bowl. Anyway, so I'm sorry yeah, to interrupt uh, you. It, yeah, it feels sorry. Bad. I know you're good. It's like no, I, I definitely can start to relate to Browns fans a little bit more now, which is kind of weird. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> it hurts Keep going. To get this excited over the draft, <laughs> but uh, my other favorite pick of the night actually came from the Atlanta Falcons. I was a big fan of taking Bijan Robinson. I was a huge fan of Bijan Robinson, uh, and one of my cousins, he's a huge 
uh, Atlanta Falcons fan. So seeing him get that excited made me get really excited. And I think the Falcons are slowly starting to come out of that rebuild. Not quite yet, but they're starting to take the steps out of there. And I can see them easily returning to the Falcons that we once knew. Obviously, minus blowing that lead in the Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I heard Super Bowl in Atlanta. I know those those two words usually don't go together in the same sentence. That's why it kind of caught me off guard there. But uh, uh, my my favorite picks of the day. We already spent time talking about Darnell Washington and Josh Downs, so I'll go with my comedic answer, and that was Riley Moss. I don't know if you guys saw any of the memes about that. I'm not sure how many of them I can say. Let's just say he's a white cornerback, and Denver took him 83rd overall, and I. Yep. Dude's got a full-on mullet and everything. Let's just say, uh, you know, he's a white Denver Bronco, and let's just say there were other jokes about a white Bronco. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know exactly the one yeah, you're talking about. I, 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 real, real quick, though, it was pretty cool to see him get drafted, at least, because uh, if anybody, like if any of the listeners are big uh, NFL, like history nerds, kind of like I am, uh, he was the first white cornerback to be drafted uh, to the NFL since 2003. Was that so, was that Dustin Fox too, like Akron Zone? Uh, I believe so. Wow! So it was kind of a look at that. It does it connect kind of back a cool to thing us. To see because me making an OJ joke hey, somehow catches back up. <laughs> yeah, he's either going to be the best corner ever or the worst. Like no he's got two options here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let's 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 segue this back into some <laughs> into some draft talk and enough of enough of the OJ jokes. Uh, let's go to day three, rounds four through seven. You know. Uh, these picks, they're really not going to be uh, any impact player. I know there's always that one crazy outlier like your Tom Brady or your Brock Purdy, uh, but these guys are just going to be your depth pieces pretty much. So we're going to keep this topic very quick. Uh, who do you guys think got the best value on day three? Pat, I'll start with you first. It's really tough here, but to be honest with you, I think the Packers – definitely loaded up and some key areas obviously I mean like you said these guys aren't going to play too much but I mean right now with how the Green Bay Packers roster is looking it looks like everybody's going to get playing time yeah so overall I think you know getting some value that you can use on the field at this stage if you are the Green Bay Packers and you are at this point for your franchise it's definitely a huge positive and it's not really a step in the right direction because they haven't even really started that rebuild yet right but I definitely think they salvaged what they could, and I think that some of these guys are going to make an immediate impact for them on the field. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Mitch, do you have a winner of day three? I do. My day three winner, and it was for a little bit of a different reason okay. than normal, I would say the Philadelphia Eagles. Ah, yes. They got DeAndre Swift without yeah. doing anything. <laughs> that's the thing. I the really rich like get that. richer. The rich get richer, and I think DeAndre Swift is going to step in and start right away. I experienced Rashad Penny firsthand. He is not an every-down back at all. And they also selected Keeley Ringo, which was a cornerback from Georgia, one of my yeah, favorite Ringo prospects. Yeah, Ringo was very good. He was oh, very yeah. good. I've been keeping up with Ringo since high school, and I think he's going to be an absolute dog if he gets the chance to play. And that's part of the reason that I think Philadelphia did win day three. Yeah, and so um, Philly was one of my winners too, but you know I have to have a little bit of homerism here. I have to say – uh, the Cleveland Browns, in their fourth round in particular, they got two top 100 prospects at pick 111 and 126. Uh, Dewan Jones at 111, that's someone we had mocked going in the first round when we did our first episode. And Isaiah McGuire was someone who was supposed to go around 
you know, uh, high 80s to, uh, you know, roughly the 100s. And for him to fall to you at 126, I think he'd be a very good rotational piece alongside Obo Okoronkwo. Uh, but, yeah, those are my day three winners. Uh, and that brings us to just an overall recap of the draft. So we haven't – we've kind of tried to talk about our favorite teams here. But, you know, here we're just going to talk about our favorite team individually, their draft. Mitch, I'll throw it to you. Tell us about your Seattle Seahawks and what they did uh, throughout the weekend. Yes, Seattle had their best draft in a very long time last year, and I think the follow-up of this year was absolutely great. I I love this draft for so many different reasons. We added our corner to be on the other side of Tariq Woolen in Devin Witherspoon. It's an all-time stacked corner class, and we got the best corner in the entire class. So I think that says something. Very solid draft. Yeah, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I absolutely love that pick. He will take Lockett's place when he leaves but he'll probably be in the slot for us this year we got Derek Hall in the second round he's a run stopper I was another guy I was very high on I I think I wanted the Browns to take him in our AFC North mock draft yeah he's so versatile he He can move him anywhere he can play wide nine he can play four eye he can he can even play three tech in some situations he's a very versatile defensive end yeah I had to do a little research after we took him and I just ended up loving him even more oh yeah that's always the best when it's like "Eh, I think this guy's good then it's like oh Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, and speaking of that, we got Zach Charbonnet in the second round as well. I like the name. Yeah, I actually like it too. And people were surprised, and some people were angry at this pick, and I just don't understand. For everyone that says, oh, we already have Kenneth Walker, who else do we have? No one. Nobody. Nobody. Rashard Penny is an eagle. (laughs) <laughs> like and that's that's the thing that bothers me when people say they don't like this pick. This is a kid that could start over yeah. Kenneth Walker. That's I, that's crazy because Kenneth Walker is incredible. Exactly, and I think it's going to be a perfect one-two punch. You put one in for a drive, one in for another drive, and we also made a later running back move in round seven, Kenny McIntosh from Georgia. I mm. think he's got insane talent and his potential – is higher than a lot of people expect. There's some other picks that I'll just throw in there, like Anthony Bradford, guard from LSU. We took him in the fourth. We got Cameron Young in the fourth. Defensive tackle, our most needed position. And Mike Morris from Michigan. He's a D-end. And doing more research on him, I think this kid is definitely going to get some snaps this year. And he can make an impact for us. And Michigan fans love him. They've told me all about him. And yeah. Hey, we need as many D linemen as we can, so Josh Jacobs doesn't run for about two thousand yards in a game again. So oh, that was that was something. I was playing against him in fantasy that day. It was it that was, was that was not a fun day. That was, as a Seahawks fan, that wasn't a fun oh, day. Oh boy! But you know, we'll forget about it, and we'll hope that Cameron Young can help us. Derek Hall can help us in that aspect. But overall, I think it was an absolutely outstanding draft for Seattle. Yeah, Pat. You know, you, we talked, Pat. We talked a lot about the Steelers draft so far. So you know what? If you want to go. Go ahead, man. Talk a bit more about... This is the only thing I can write out now because I don't know how the season's going to shape up, but between the offseason and between the drafts, I've never been more excited to be a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers than I than I am right now. Truth be told, uh, I'm not going to say it you know, for the next four years, but sometime I think once we hit that five-year mark, we get these guys paid, extended. I think I can finally sit back and officially and hopefully permanently say number seven is coming home because our team is looking incredible right now. Uh, there's, there's nothing else to it. I've, I've felt great. We've had 
some fantastic picks. Obviously, I, Joey Porter Jr. in the second round alone, A plus there. I, I'm 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 just so excited for this this upcoming season. I'm eager to get these guys on the field, get them suited up, and watch them just run the north. Oh, bold bold prediction there, <laughs> bold prediction there. Uh, but yeah, hey, that, hey. I'm, I'm taking a reach right now. You know? All right. <laughs> well, you know what? Speaking of reaches, I all I know is reaches as a Browns fan. So, I mean, we, we haven't spoken about them much at all this draft. I mean, you know, they didn't have a pick till number 74 because they traded for Deshaun Watson and Elijah Moore. Uh, but, you know, let, I'll run through it real quick and give my initial thoughts on the draft as a whole. Uh, 74, they took Cedric, uh, Cedric Tillman, wide receiver out of Tennessee. I was very... Very much surprised at this pick initially, but then it made sense to me. I mean, he's going to be your DPJ replacement because uh, his contract expires at the end of this season, and when Deshaun Watson's cap hit is north of $60 million, you're going to need to start uh, budgeting. And I think uh, Cedric uh, Tillman is probably your budget wide receiver after uh, after you let DPJ walk. Uh, pick number 98, they went Siaka Ika. Again, did not like this pick. I'll just say that flat out. I think he's, he's an overweight unathletic nose tackle with short arms and he didn't bench press at the combine which is very alarming i mean i just i'm gonna say i just don't think this organization is very good at drafting defensive tackles i i don't really know what role there is for him and the scary thing is he might be a day one starter because we don't know what's going to happen with perry on winfrey and his ongoing legal situation uh, but, you know, that brings uh, – in the fourth round, the Browns totally redeemed themselves. Uh, at 111, they went Dewan Jones, tackle out of Ohio State. Uh, he was an elite right tackle prospect. You know, we had him go in in the first round. Uh, they might be moving him to left tackle because, as I mentioned, when Deshaun Watson's contract gets expensive, you're going to have to budget. Uh, if you let Jedrick Wills go, would you be com- – I would be comfortable with Dewan Jones playing left tackle after two years of training from Bill Callahan. But that's just me. Uh, pick 126, Isaiah McGuire. Again, I alluded to it earlier, value pick. He was supposed to go on the top 90. We got him at 126. Uh, he and Oboe are going to be a good rotational end piece after, uh, alongside Miles Garrett, I mean. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson in the fifth round. Uh, backup quarterback, nothing more to say there. If he hits the field, something's gone terribly wrong. Uh, Cam Miller, out of, cornerback out of Northwestern. That was a meh for me. Uh, you know, we really don't need another boundary corner. I'd be surprised if he made the roster. And pick number 190, their final pick was Luke Weipler, center from Ohio State. Uh, he might be converted to play guard this year because, uh, you know, Nick Harrison and Dawson Deaton both have knee injuries. Uh, so they they very well might not make the roster, and he could be a swing guard or center behind uh, Ethan Posick and Wyatt Teller. Uh, but let's get back into uh, just the draft overall. Circle back out. Our last last segment of the show uh guys i'll pose you this question who won the draft pat i'll throw it to you first who do you, who is your draft winner obviously i want to take the pittsburgh steelers here because we did have a phenomenal draft but i'm not going to take the pittsburgh steelers here overall i'm going to give it to the philadelphia eagles we kind of said it do we have that as a consensus winner rich, of the draft richer I think that is our consensus winner. Mitch, do you have a winner that's not the Eagles? I do have a winner that's not the Eagles. You know, I want to go Seattle, and I'm going to. As you should. And I'm going to. I love the Seahawks draft, and I also loved Philly. And to be truthful, 100%, they were my first-place winner 
of the NFL draft. Getting two Georgia Bulldogs in the first round, getting DeAndre Swift for pennies on the dollar on Saturday. Oh, another Georgia Bulldog and Keely Ringo. Didn't oh even recall goodness. that. Oh, my goodness. It is absolutely insane what, that, what Howie Roseman's able to pull off there. Yeah, I mean, great drafts all around. Even Pittsburgh had a great one. Seattle had a great one. I think Cleveland had an underrated draft, too, so all our yeah. teams did pretty successful, but I think Philly takes the cake here. Yeah, uh, my winner that was not the Eagles was the Indianapolis Colts. They got their quarterback of the future. They got very solid depth pieces that are going to be playing right away. Uh, very high on them getting Josh Downs in round three. Uh, but like I said, Philadelphia, the rich have got richer. Howie Roseman proves once again why he's the best general manager of the National Football League. And, you know, guys, that brings us to a close. That is the end of this mock draft miniseries on SPT Overtime. I want to thank you two specifically because uh, when I pitched this idea to Jake, who's our sports director, you know, uh, he was very uh, supportive of the idea, but he's like, yeah, if you can find people that want to do it. Uh, and that was the hardest part. I went around texting people for, you know, throughout the week, and the only guys that said yes uh, were you and Pat. So I want to thank you guys for committing a lot of time into this. I know the outlines I gave you were not the easiest to do, and, you know, you couldn't really, like, you know, make it up on the fly. Like, this was very intensive, very time-consuming. So I want to thank both of you, too. It was thank you for all your hard work thank you for allowing this series to happen i couldn't have done it without you guys uh but thank you and i also want to thank our listeners that have listened to all three episodes so far even if this is your first episode thank you uh we will be back in august for the fantasy football podcast and spt overtime is not going anywhere i'm just saying uh, the you know pot a uh, football specific podcast we'll do usfl throughout the summer uh but you know i run the fantasy podcast so that's what i was alluding to uh, guys, that brings us to a close. Pat, any final words you want to say to our listeners? Uh, I just want to say, as always, go Steelers, go Guardians, go Zips, go Blue Jackets. Shout out Zach Morton really quickly, representing the University of Akron. I know you're going to do great. And when he makes that 53-man roster, come time for the season to start, I will be buying his jersey because, you know, I'm the number one Zips fan. I can't let an Akron Zip in the league get overlooked. I need that jersey. Uh, Matt, thank you for allowing me to do this. This was a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of people up at WZIP know I like to wing things a lot, but this was something that I really enjoyed sitting down and actually doing research for. I really enjoyed I appreciate that. I really appreciate aspect. that, man. Uh, it, it was incredible. And having you as the host, it wrapped it all together. You were the perfect host for this. So I just want to thank you for, you know, putting this opportunity on the table for uh, the three of us to kind of get in here talk about the draft and overall i think this was one of my favorite podcasts i've ever been on in my entire three years so far at wzip i appreciate that man that means a lot mitch any final remarks for the uh, mock draft series yeah it's been extremely fun and i would also like to thank you for welcoming welcoming me into this and pat both because i'm a newer member and trying to get my name out there and get involved with certain things and this was perfect for me and it's been a lot of fun. It's taken a lot of research, but I think it's been paying off. And it's just hopefully we can get more NFL content out there. And it's been a great time. Yeah, so, I mean, that does it. You know, little idea I had in February, it's come to an end. So, again, thank you, the listeners. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Mitch. Uh, that concludes our mock draft series on SPT Overtime. We're going to have plenty of great content throughout the summer, so don't go anywhere. Uh, but until August... Signing off is Matt Permuka and Mitch Bates and Patrick Weber. All right. Thank you again for listening, everyone. Have a great rest of your day.